calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello again, everybody. Uh, it's Ron Rimkus here with CFA Institute, and we are uh, coming to you live from the beautiful city of Prague. And today we're joined by uh, Wolfgang Munchau from the Financial Times. Wolfgang, thanks for joining us today. Ron, good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely, and thanks for being here. Um, Wolfgang, to try to uh, set uh, the, the conversation, uh, can you give us just a little bit of perspective? The, the Eurozone crisis has been going on for about three years. Uh, recently, we've had some interesting hurdles that have uh, appeared to be met uh, with the ECB announcing uh, their uh, money printing for uh, bond purchases, as well as uh, Germany ratifying the ESM. Can you talk to us about, a little bit about where the Eurozone crisis is at this point and what your perspective is as, as things move forward? Well, we have come to a, a point where things seem to look up. We've been at those points before in the crisis where things seem to look up, where there was a general sense of optimism in the markets that uh, we would finally get over this. But if you look at the, you know, a lot of the details behind those announcements, you see that you know, while some of the institutional settings are now being discussed that are necessary to solve the crisis, what, that, what wasn't the case two years ago, uh, it's now being discussed. But we are, yet, we are a long way away from a situation where these things kick in and actually make an impact. So you know, my perspective is, you know, this is a phase. We will have the crisis will continue. Uh, it will come back. Uh, you know, I suspect there is a, still a chance that it might be resolved eventually, but this isn't going to happen right away. Now, at various points in time, the EU officials have been roundly criticized for not only uh, you know, handling it in sort of a, a slow, a measured approach, uh, while the markets handle it in a very uh, frenetic sort of uh, pace, but also because they seem to be treating the crisis solely as uh, more of a liquidity crisis rather than a solvency crisis. Uh, what's your perspective on that? That's right. They have misdiagnosed the crisis in various dimensions. That was one dimension, the liquidity versus solvency. The other misdiagnosis was the misdiagnosis that they treated as a fiscal crisis and rather than as a broader financial crisis. Uh, the Eurozone crisis would, would, if it had only been a fiscal crisis, it would long have been solved. We could have solved it through uh, you know, more fiscal discipline, which is being applied and has been applied for quite some time. But, but the situation is we have imbalances, we have payment, payment, uh, payment uh, problems. The North doesn't fund the South. This has to go through the ECB. Um, and, uh, and the solvency of the banking sector as a whole is, is, is very much in doubt. Uh, I would actually consider the you know, large parts of the Eurozone financial system to be insolvent, completely insolvent. The states are not strong enough to guarantee those systems, so we need, so we need a completely new you know, institutional setup 
in order to to actually resolve the the, the financial system to 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 actually inc, you know, ensure to recapitalize the banks and to shrink the system, uh, and that cannot be done on a national level. You really need a banking union for that. And you know, while that is being discussed, it's not coming about. It's not making the progress that people thought it it should it should have done by now. Right, and it's it's interesting uh, that you raised that issue because. If you look at um, the structure of the bailout and rescue funds that they've created, many of the same countries that are required to contribute to these rescue funds are the same countries that are going to need uh, help from the rescue funds. So how does that inhibit the ability of Europe to solve the crisis when you have countries like Spain and Italy being required to contribute to the funds? Well, what it, what it, that has been one, one aspect of, of the funding that the minute one of the larger countries becomes a recipient of the fund, uh, the whole thing collapses like a domino because you know it, it would be, Italy will never be able to bail out Spain uh, or even to pay its share to bail out Spain. Italy is too weak for that, and therefore Italy's commitment to the fund uh, is 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 thus in doubt. And ultimately, it all rests on those countries least likely to receive bailouts. So it would rest on Germany and France, uh, and that that is a system you know, that was a built-in domino. It was actually a risk increaser. It, it actually a risk amplifier. Uh, of the system, of a system that was supposed to reduce risk. Right. So you've got a country like Germany, uh, where they're currently, uh, in terms of the reported numbers, have a debt to GDP ratio of about 80%. And uh, can they really be the lender of last resort for much of the Eurozone if they're already uh, at 80% debt to GDP and they've got a banking system that um, perhaps you know, needs to be backstopped? So Germany cannot act, act in that role. Um, um, the Eurozone as a whole has a debt-to-GDP ratio very similar to Germany's. Uh, so on average, if you actually mutualize everything, if you put it all in one pot, the Eurozone wouldn't be, you know, would be better off than the United States, better off than the UK, better off than Japan. We wouldn't have a Eurozone debt crisis if we if we, you know, if, if you mutualize the entire debt and if you guaranteed the banks from the from from this mutualized you know from the from 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 a eurozone entity, so so that therein lies uh, certainly on a technical basis maybe not politically but on a technical basis lies a solution to the crisis, a, a eurozone banking union and a eurozone fiscal union would solve the crisis. It would be the end of the crisis. And uh, realistically, how long might it take to get, actually achieve banking union fiscal union? Well, they wanted to create the banking union for January 1st next year. It looks like that they're going to slipping on the timetable. But more importantly, they're going to slip slip on the actual meaning of a banking union. This is not about whether the ECB or some other institution is in charge. This is about deposit insurance, about recapitalization of banking systems, of resol resolution powers. You know, the power to walk into a bank and close it down, what in America the FDIC does. There are no such institutions here that will have to be created. It will all have to be created from scratch. And it will have to be created at European level. Uh, and, you know, and it has to work with a specific purpose to restructure the banking system and make it fit. These are lots of ifs. It will take years to implement. And the latest we've heard, and we only heard this yesterday, is that the European Council's legal service said this banking union is illegal anyway under current law. You need a whole new treaty for that. So my expectation is that we will make a, a symbolic first step, maybe, in January next year. But you know, a, a meaningful banking union will probably take between five and 10 years to establish. My goodness. Um, do, we, do they have enough time uh, 
between now and then when they uh, get all these you know pieces of the puzzle in place to actually deal with the uh, the markets and the crisis that they, that they have at their hands. No, I don't think that these um, these institutional changes, especially if they require a treaty change, can solve the crisis. They can be part of a commitment for the future. And it, in that sense, they are important to say, okay, the Eurozone is committed to a joint political future, but in the meantime, we still have to solve the crisis. They are not, as, as, as some of the politicians claim, they are not in themselves a resolution of the crisis. Right. So let's drill down a little bit on specific countries. So uh, can uh, Greece remain a part of the Eurozone given that they're practically a failed state right now? They can, provided they can default in the Eurozone. There are, if you look at the Greece debt to GDP, Greece has a debt to GDP of 160, 170%, heading to 200%. That is not sustainable. Uh, the plan had been to reduce it to 120%. That plan is completely off track, but even 120% is too much for Greece. So Greece needs to default on its debt, and it will default on its debt. The question is, is Greece going to default on its debt in the Eurozone, which requires a negotiation, negotiated settlement, a negotiated debt default? Uh, OSI, as the experts say, official sector uh, involvement. Uh, or does it, or, or will Greece has to have to leave the eurozone? Uh, and that's that's very open. I, my my hunch is that the EU will not let Greece leave the eurozone, and that they will rather choose alternative strategies. And the only danger is that by kicking the can down the road for too long, without resolution, uh, you know, a, an explosive situation might occur in Greece, which would force the country out. Uh, but if they acted in any rational interest, they would accept a debt, a debt write-down relatively soon. Uh, that would be my, my, my hope. Uh, no, it's either that or some big accident. Okay, so uh, shifting to Spain for a moment, uh, can Spain avoid uh, a bailout at this point? Yeah, my real concern about Spain is the real economy. Uh, you, know, you mentioned that Greece is a failed state. Now, Spain is not a failed state. Spain is a, is a functioning state. But Spain, and Spain is in a better, but better position than Greece, objectively. But the problem for Spain is that it, that it, it is caught in a number of vicious circles out of which there are no channels uh, to escape. There is no exchange rate devaluation. Spain is not gonna, going to default. The policies it has to implement, the austerity policies in particular, um, you know, are pro-cyclical. So they increase the impact on the, on the recession. The recession, in turn, increases the social tensions. Unemployment is already at 25%. Youth unemployment is at 50%. Tensions are mounting with the regions. Catalonia is considering independence. And there is no, no trajectory inside that Spain, that the Spanish crisis is, is resolved. The, what needs to happen in Spain is that the banking sector, which is the real problem for the state. Spain doesn't really have a bad fiscal side. The, the problem is the private sector, the, pro the fall in property prices, which has landed the banks with a lot of bad, bad assets is that the, the banks are taken off the books of the Spanish state and essentially transferred to Europe so that you take the Spanish banks out of Spain and make them European banks or make them European liabilities, really. And that's not going to happen. And people thought in June at the European summit that this would happen when the banking union is established and people hope that it would happen early next year. But that's not going to happen now. 
uh, Germany said it won't, you know, the, the, these changes won't re relate to what they call legacy assets, in other words, to old debts, existing debts. So, you know, this is for the next crisis, uh, but not for the Spanish crisis. So at the moment, I don't see any any, um, any, 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 anything that would help Spain uh, uh, get over this crisis. So this is something that ticks on. I don't see Spain, I don't see a, an explosion either. Sort of, it's a sort of a terror, a, sort of a balance of terror that we're seeing, seeing at the moment, but something that could drag on for uncomfortably long time. Okay, so let's uh, dial it back a little bit and look uh, more broadly at the Eurozone. So. As you think about the Eurozone, what remaining risks do you see uh, in the context of the current crisis and as we move forward over, the, say, the next three to five years? Well, the, big, the biggest risks are, are setbacks in the implementation of banking union and fiscal union and political union, which is the political process which countries embark upon. These processes are complicated, especially the, the, uh, the, the process is so ambitious, more ambitious than anything we've done in the past. Uh, the last European treaty took 10 years to negotiate. Uh, you know, this one will be a lot more ambitious, uh, you know, and it needs to be done in, in a couple of years. And I see, I see this being really problematic. The second risk I see is a, an unwillingness by the surplus countries to make the necessary transfers. A debt cut of, in Greece will cost money, and it constitutes a transfer because Germany, France, and the other countries have actually given credits to Greece. If Greece were to default on them in a negotiated way, that would essentially constitute a transfer of money. Um, uh, I see at present no willingness, political willingness, to accept it. Um, that would be the, the other risks are implementation risks of the ECB's program. Is it really going to work as we think it is? Are they really going to be so aggressive to buy all the shares, uh, all the all the bonds uh, that they have uh, that they have promised, or will it be a much more limited program? Uh, we don't know. Um, and there are legal risks, no, not so much arising from the German Constitutional Court as people thought previously, but the legal risk that certain things we we think we can do, we just cannot do because we don't have the legal foundations for that. And that, that in, in reality, our ability to solve the crisis are much more constrained. So these are some of the risks. You know, financial markets could at any time when they see this process going slow, could, could change their views again. They could test the resolve of various institutions in this process. That's not happening now. There's a degree of optimism around. But as we've seen before, these, these periods of optimism do not last very long when they are not backed up by a political commitment to solve the crisis, and that political commitment, um, I still think, is not 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 clear. Right. Well, uh, Wolfgang, thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, here today, and thank you for joining us as well. Uh, and be sure to uh, find all our content at cfainstitute.org, and you can find it uh, under Take 15. Thank you. Copyright 2012 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.